This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Now, here's your host for Golf in the Northwest, Jason Swigard. And a fine good morning to you all as we uh, wind down May. The weather finally kicking in. Hopefully, uh, everybody's got tee times here this weekend. Should be perfect. The heat is subsiding a little bit from last weekend. Much more uh, playable but should remain dry here going into next week, and uh, we are fully into scoring season. It is PGA Championship Week, and uh, boy, it's uh, the weather much better here than it is in Rochester, New York today. It's going to rain all day, going to be very, very interesting. We'll get into the leaderboard uh, stats, uh, make some picks, who we like uh, to hoist the Wanamaker Trophy come Sunday afternoon, but a great leaderboard setting up for you as well. Uh, and the course at these majors, uh, as much a storyline as the players themselves, we're going to dive into it. We are going to get a little uber nerdy here uh, with some golf architecture. I ran across an article uh, on uh, first call, firstcallgolf.com. Uh, Tony Deer is a writer, author. Uh, he's also a uh, played golf at the University of Liverpool. Um <laughs> He was a first tee in a high school golf course. Uh, coach lives up the road in Bellingham and uh, wrote a piece about uh, these societies, the Donald Ross Society, some other societies that have formed uh, in the last 20, 30 years um, that are just deep interest in some of the golf architects from that golden age a century ago. Donald Ross, one of those, maybe the most prominent, designed nearly some 400 courses in the United States and uh, they're playing one here at Oak Hill, a recent uh, restoration in 2019 that got it ready here for this PGA Championship. So uh, we're just going to go down a rabbit hole and the societies and Donald Ross and why they're important, how significant they are. Uh, so hopefully you'll uh, you'll enjoy the journey with us. That is coming up at 830. Uh, at 8.15, our good buddy Dominic Marconi, the executive director of the Oregon chapter of the PGA of America, going to join us. Obviously, part of the PGA championship is the 20 club pros that qualified. Colin Inglis, uh, who joined us earlier this season on the show here, uh, he is the second lowest of the club pros, did not make the cut. 
uh, but he had the second lowest score. But one of the club pros did make the cut. Michael Block at even par, two rounds of even par 70. He is 10th right now looking to become uh, the lowest ever or highest finishing club pro uh, in the history of this championship since it's went to an open stroke play format. So uh, he will come up at 8.15. Let us know what's going on with uh, with the pros uh, in the area. And um, talking about uh, some of the things coming up, opportunities uh, for people to, to get involved here this summer. Will Darkens is back from your two-week sojourn. You all right? Yeah, dog. I went to <laughs> North Carolina. Ah! The Outer Banks. Ah. That's pretty sick. So were you on a little island out there somewhere? Uh, somewhat. I mean, you know what the Outer Banks is? It's like a sliver, you know? Yeah. It's kind of a weird little area. An isthmus? Is it an isthmus? What is it? What is the What's actual technical geological term for How dare what? you call me an isthmus? What is an isthmus? I, I, I don't know. All right. It is... I need uh, my father, the earth science teacher, to tell me the difference between islands and isthmuses and peninsulas and all that crap. Call him up! Uh, isthmus, most customarily used to imply spasm or contraction. You sure about that? No. <laughs> That's what it says. No, there's, I, I don't know how to spell it either. That would probably help. I, uh, did also set a second record now. Uh, this happened to me when I went to Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, is that I set the record for coming back whiter from Hawaii than any other person ever. Wow. Set it again here, baby. Let's go. Came back whiter from the Outer Banks. Than any other person. Well, sometimes the weather the weather history. can be blustery out there. Nicely done. I did it. Now, did, were you covered up the whole time, or you just used sunblock ten thousand? Ten sunblock ten thousand every okay. single time. Even though everybody crapped on me for doing that. Yeah, but you're going to be cancer free when you're older. Well, so. not only that, but they were all burnt by the end of the trip. The last three days, they yeah. were all inside, and they were. Uh, uh, yeah, and I was like, to... "Well, I'm going to the beach. Someone yeah. lather me up." No, you don't want to be crispy, so no, That's you can't certainly... do it when you're this white. Yep, there's no tan. It's tomato or you know, yeah, you apparition gotta, in a home. You got to be careful. Although this week was a good week for shirtless runs, so if you just do a half hour, forty five minute run, and there's a little bit of shade and sun on your route. You don't get it too much, and you start to build a little bit of a base. When's the last time you were shirtless in public? Uh, well, I did shirtless runs this week. Did you really? Oh yeah. Okay. It got so it you're got cool hot. With that. I'm cool with it. I don't know how people driving by 185th feel about it. But... Uh, I don't think that's so much the case. Some dudes are very against going shirtless. There was one. Well, unnamed, for me, m- more unnamed it's... family member on my trip oh. who remained shirt. The whole time, even on the beach, and I didn't, oh. I didn't poke enough to go. Are you going to take your shirt off when you go in the ocean? No, you got to. I, they didn't. Wow. All right. However, I am a fan of shirts on the golf course at all times. Oh, I see. Now, no. what are what? What's your thought on jeans? Uh, no jeans at the golf course. Okay. No jorts. Nope. Nope. At least you know, come up with some sort of regular golf attire. What about cargo pants? Uh, I don't mind cargo pants. I mean, I would think they are fit for a golfer. It holds a bunch yeah. of the crap that golfers have. Yeah. You guys have just a bunch of stuff. There's eh. pens and notebooks and tees and balls. That's true. Yeah. You got two big pockets for that. Yeah. You're fine. Cargo, cargo shorts, cargo pants don't bother me. Can you... I wear cargo shorts and a hoodie? 
Hoodies are fine. I like the the hoodies. Really? Yeah. Dude, I think I'd fit in pretty well on a there golf course. There you go. Then. All right. <laughs> we got a lot to get to. Dominic Marconi joining us at 815. Tony Deere at 830 in the business of golf. So let's get going inside the ropes. It's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards. The latest on all tours, plus local golf events and golf news. This is Inside the Ropes, part of Golf in the Northwest. Just two tours in action this week. The Corn Ferry Tour back in action there in Kansas City, Missouri. Blue Hills Country Club, the Advent Health Championship. You've got a tie atop the leaderboard. A rookie, Wilson Fur. Yes, Fur with two R's. Youngster out of Alabama looking for his first Corn Ferry Tour victory. It's just his 11th Corn Ferry Tour start. He's only got one top 10, but he set a course record in the first round with a 63. Came back with a 171. He's 10 under, tied with David Skins, who is a veteran. 141st career start. He's got three Corn Ferry Tour wins. One of those guys that keeps going back and forth uh, between the PGA Tour. He's played some on the European Tour as well. So they are uh, trying to to get a victory there. Uh, Skins is third overall in the points list right now, but Fur came in 78th on the points list. A win would propel him up uh, close to the top 10. And so this could be a a career-changing week for Wilson Fur. The LPGA Tour is off this week. Congratulations, though, to Jin Young Ko winning the Cognizant Founders Cup uh, last week. Uh, it's the third time she's won the event, the only player to win it on three different courses. It's her 11th victory. She, of course, won the 2021 Portland Classic and the second multiple winner on the LPGA Tour this year. She's trying to get back uh, to the number one ranking on tour. She joins, joins Lilia Vu as the only multiple winners on tour this season. But all attention being play, uh, paid to Rochester, New York, Oak Hill Country Club, hosting the PGA Championship. Uh, It hosted back in 2013, but they had a renovation uh, done in 2019 to the Donald Ross course uh, and trying to get it back to some of the the original design. And the players were loving it. They're just not enjoying the weather. It's been raining all morning as the, uh, the early round is underway. The Leaders won't tee off till near noon later this afternoon, but you've got a three-way tie atop the leaderboard. Scotty Scheffler, Corey Connors, and Victor Hovland all at five under par. Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Saw at three under par. Only nine players are in red numbers. Brooks Kepka once again uh, at the top of the leaderboard. He's two under, tied with Callum Terran out of England. Taylor Pendrith, Justin Rose, at one under, and then Michael Block alone in 10th. He is even par. Well, he's tied for 10th with Sepp Straka. And our boy, Keith Mitchell, Kashmir Keith, if you didn't hear the interview with Dirt and Sprague earlier in the week previewing it, uh, you want to check that out at the podcast, uh, Odyssey Podcast, 1080thefan.com. Such a likable guy, but he is in the mix. Uh, Got it to even par. A one under 69 in round one, one over 71 in round two. He will tee off at 11 a.m. with Sepp Straka. So you've got 11 guys, really, that uh, are uh, not over par. And it'll be interesting to see, though, it's supposed to rain all day. Uh, not going to let up, coming down pretty heavily. 
And so the question will be, there's really only one player this morning, Thomas Peters of Belgium, who's got any sort of round going. He is four under. He's got it to plus one. He started the day at plus five. Uh, but he's the only player. Almost everybody else is even or over par. It will be incredibly uh, necessary for guys to be accurate off the tee. We already talked about the length uh, throughout the week, playing at nearly 7,400 yards. Uh, only two par fives. They're both over 600 yards. The rough is ridiculous. It is some heavy cabbage. Now it's getting wet. It's like hitting a golf ball that's trapped in a mop. So if you don't put it in the fairway, there's no chance you're going to be able to advance it very far unless you get lucky and it's sitting up on top. Uh, but Scotty Scheffler, of course, looking to win a major in back-to-back years. Try, if he uh, finishes solo fourth or better, he will retake the number one ranking from John Rahm, who just made the cut on the number. He's out there this morning struggling through things. Uh, all sorts of stats. We'll get to some more of the stats uh, and some of the shot link numbers for guys and maybe look at the uh, the betting lines, the live betting that's going on as well. One other note, the uh, Division I NCAA Women's Golf Championships are underway uh, they are down at Greyhawk Golf Club round two underway this morning. Oregon State, just their second ever appearance. They will tee off this afternoon, but they will start the day plus nine. They're currently in 21st place out of 30 teams. The top eight will advance after three rounds uh, to the match play portion. They're going to have to dial it up right now. You need to get to even par, so they need to have a day. Chase Gomez uh, is one under par after the first round, but they'll be in the afternoon. So they will have a good idea of what number they need to get to Stanford right now, representing the PAC 12. They are third. Everybody chasing wake forest. Uh, they are 11 under their team is on the course right now. Stanford currently third. They're six under today, six under for the championship. So they play three rounds of stroke play. Uh, they crown an individual champion, and then the top eight teams will go into match play, quarterfinals, semifinals, finals uh, over the next uh, two days next week. Golf Channel will pick up coverage of that championship. And congratulations to the Oregon men who qualified for the men's tournament. That will be played next week on the same course. So that's what's going on on the tours. We're keeping an eye on the PGA Championship, but joining us next, the Executive Director of the Oregon Chapter of the PGA of America, uh, Dominic Marconi, talking about some of their events. Congratulations to Colin Inglis, and we uh, celebrate the club pros uh, a little bit about uh, just what's going on uh, at the professional level, uh, trying to uh, keep the games rolling and the courses rolling here as we get into heavy golf season here. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Shot clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 816 this morning. It is PGA Championship Week, and it is a hefty leaderboard out at Oak Hill. Uh, the PGA going back to one of the more famed venues in the entire country. And that course is uh, proving to be a stern test, the weather not cooperating. But it's also the week we celebrate the club pros, the 20 club pros that qualified. Colin Inglis, who was our guest uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the second lowest of the club pros to finish. Unfortunately, he did not make the cut. Michael Block, the one club pro that did. And uh, he's got the uh, the best position after 36 holes in the last 20 years. He is even par, tied for 10th, looking maybe to best Lonnie Nielsen in 1986, Tommy Acock in 1974, who finished 11th. Uh, those were the best finishes by a club pro at the PGA Championship. And joining us now, Dominic Marconi, the executive director. For the Oregon chapter, the PGA of America, and we we like to celebrate the club pros. Uh, nice to see a couple from uh, one from the chapter, two from the region, uh, out there representing the Northwest. Yeah, no. Uh, good morning, and thank you for having me on. Um, it's certainly exciting to see our professionals uh, playing in this event, and two of our local professionals, Colin Inglis and Russell Grove of the Pacific Northwest section. Uh, they both represented themselves in their facility and our section. Um, excellent. So we're happy to see them out there playing. You know, uh, unfortunately, Colin did not play the way that he would like, uh, especially on round one, finishing his round with three double bogeys in his last four holes. And I think, you know, in hindsight, looking back, if, you know, he only figured a way to make bogey on those holes, he with Michael Block would be playing this weekend. So, we're proud of them all. Um, we're excited to see them out there. But, uh, yeah, this has been a great event for sure. No question. What sort of, you know, what does it mean within the the PGA of America family? How prestigious, what does it mean, you know, when your section or your chapter is putting guys uh, in that level and, and getting them in? Is there, you know, what sort of benefits or what sort of clout cachet does it bring back to this region? Well, for a lot of these individuals who do make it, um, one of the nice things is is they are exempt from our local qualifying out of our section. So they are automatically into that club pro championship. So one of the nice things is the other people who are trying to qualify don't have to compete against them uh, for the qualifying spots. So that's um, a bonus for those that are trying to make it. But uh, when you are playing at that level, um, and we have a number of individuals within our section that have been there. And uh, it, it's just so it's so uh, such a prestigious award um, to qualify to get to that championship event. And then you're competing against 300 other individuals for those 20 spots. And I think, you know, if you grab one of those 20 spots, you are definitely um, 
in that upper echelon of players within, you know, the PGA of America. And we know uh, Jared Lambert, who uh, joined us last week, won the chapter championship. And so uh, he will continue to advance, trying to get to the 2024 PGA championship. That'll be played at Valhalla in Louisville. Uh, And then as it relates to their ability to take those experiences and bring them back to uh, their you know, their courses, uh, doing clinics uh, and camps, trying to teach the game. How how important is it for them to have that experience to be able to relate it to uh, their pupils and, and students that are trying to pick up the game, not only from, you know, developing skills, but also uh, course management and, and being able to play in a competitive environment? Yeah, there certainly comes a level of credibility when you are a, a, a coach, teacher, instructor that can go out and execute, you know, playing in these high-level events. There certainly is that. Um, but, again, I, I think you've heard – if you've I, – I didn't watch any of the golf yesterday, but I kind of thumbed through social media and was listening to Michael Block and some of the reporters. And, and again, remembering that, that our PGA golf professionals across the country – are true promoters of the game. Um, they are the ones that are really growing the game at the grassroots level. And you have 20 of our professionals who are doing all of that and competing in this event. And um, th- but go ahead. Oh, I, I, and I think that's, you know, the amazing thing is they're able to compete at this level while still performing the duties of, of club pros instruction, putting on tournaments at their own courses, hosting charity tournaments, all of those sorts of things, running the pro shops, um, everything that, that you need to, to keep courses going and how difficult it is. But also I think it should be, you know, that's almost more uh, useful to people, you know, that want to learn the game and be competitive, uh, whether amateur levels or stuff that, okay, you don't have to devote, you know, eight hours a day of hitting balls and doing stuff to be able to develop a game where you can score well. Yeah, certainly. Uh, totally correct. And I think it's when you are out there practicing, it's making sure that you are working on the correct stuff. And I know in the past episodes, you know, Jared Lambert has spoke, you know, predominantly and even Colin Inglis about short games, spend a lot of time working on the short game. Because the swing as itself doesn't change much, but it's when you miss the greens, it's the touch around the greens or even the putting stroke where you can help um, save some shots. Dominic Marconi, our guest, he's the executive director of the Oregon chapter of the uh, PGA of America. Uh, So there's some more competitions coming up uh, for the club pros here in the chapter and the section. Uh, And it's uh, opportunities, uh, you know, if it's coming near you, I know there's uh, one coming out at Arrowhead out at Canby, but opportunities to go see those guys and, and see how they uh, put their games together and how they perform. What's, uh, what's coming up next for guys to try to qualify for 2024? Yeah. So as we roll into next week within the Pacific Northwest section, we've got our Pelzer golf Northwest open. Um, and that takes place up at the home course in DuPont, Washington. This is a 54 hole stroke play championship that's conducted by the Pacific Northwest PGA. And, um, this is a field full of uh, some of the top section professionals, as well as some of the top local regional amateurs. Uh, last year in 2022, uh, an amateur won it, uh, this event in a playoff. 
uh, Graham Moody, who, who is from Vancouver, plays at the University of Wisconsin. And uh, it's so this is our this will be our first major of the year uh, for the regular divisions. And uh, I know that the weather is looking decent up there. And it's it's an excellent way to get our season started because as we're watching TV right now, these guys are playing in the rain. This is typically what we play in in the spring. And uh, so it's it's kind of fun to see at times, but I know it's frustrating for the players. But this is what we do. This is what we play in up here in the Northwest. No question. Now, we don't have a lot of 7,400-yard courses that we're playing on in the Northwest, so that that makes it a little more challenging. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, what's... Um... For, you know, what else is on the agenda uh, coming out uh, the PGA? I know we talked about the junior yeah. leagues. Those are getting going. Opportunities for players of all ages and skill levels maybe to, to take advantage of some instruction. Um, what are some of the things that they should be keeping an eye out for here in the coming months as we get into summer? Well, certainly, if anyone is out there looking for instruction, you know, we encourage you to contact uh, a local PGA professional. Um, just go to your local golf course and, and find out who your professional is. Um, you know, establish a relationship. Try to, try to you know, ask questions and, you know, kind of interview your, your, your teacher and see if it's somebody that, that you're going to mesh well with. You know, you certainly want to have that sort of relationship going into it. Um, you know, certainly there are times where you take chances and, and, and good things happen and results come out of it. But, um, you know, with the, P, with the Pacific Northwest PGA, you know, we've got a number of opportunities. We've got our junior PGA championship coming up in June. Um, here in Oregon, June 5th and 6th, we have our OPGA Callaway Invitational coming up. That's out at Arrowhead Golf Club. Uh, we still have opportunities available for amateurs and professionals to play. Uh, last year, local amateur, which uh, who won our event, Robbie Ziegler, uh, he was our 2022 champion. And then later this month, later in June, June 13th through the 15th, we have our PNW PGA Pelzer Golf Oregon Open Invitational. That takes place out at the Ridge Course at Eagle Crest. Um, so we have some championships that uh, both professionals and amateurs can play in. And uh, we're super excited to bring these to, you know, Oregon in June. There you go. ORPGA.com is the website. You can go look at the tournament schedule. It'll have registration information and contact information uh, if you are interested in, in getting involved in that. How's your game? I know you were playing yesterday. Where's your game at? Uh yeah, exactly. It, it felt like I hadn't played golf in a month, which was the case, but it was great to be out there. You know, I kind of learned a little bit about myself. I had a great time, and I've already forgotten about what happened yesterday. But uh, the course we played at was Orchard Hills, and the rough was, was thick, and I found the rough a lot. And every time I tried to punch out, I felt like I just couldn't get the ball to the fairway. So it was a struggle for me. It was a struggle for my team, but at the end of the day, we had a great time getting out there. And that's uh, that's really all that matters. The weather should be ideal coming up here for the next uh, couple of weeks. The heat subsiding a little bit, so uh, but dry. Uh, you're going to get some rollout now, and uh, green should be able to get dialed in for courses all around the area. Should be a lot of fun. Dominic Marconi, executive director uh, for the Oregon chapter of the PGA. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Hopefully, we can get some uh, some of those amateurs signing up for some of these tournaments coming up here soon. 
Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, you guys, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. There you go, Dominic Marconi. Again, ORPGA.com. There's a link to the tournaments, uh, some pro-ams, senior pro-ams as well. So if you're an amateur, there is some opportunity to get in there. Also, uh, you can contact uh, your local uh, PGA pros at your course and get the details uh, if you want to get involved in some some competition, some tournament play here this summer. We're making the turn. When we come back, this is a Donald Ross signature course in Oak Hill. How do you determine what is a Donald Ross signature course? Well, the man who is going to join us, author Tony Deere, uh, gets into the Donald Ross Society, some of these societies in the golden age of architecture and how all these courses are being restored uh, here a century after they have been built. It is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the business of golf. Every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Welcome back into Golf in the Northwest. Time for the business of golf here on this Saturday morning. And as we are enjoying round three of the PGA Championship, uh, as much as the golf is uh, the highlight, as always at majors, the golf course itself is a huge piece of the story. And uh, one of the more revered uh, tracks in all of the United States is Oak Hill out in Rochester, New York, a Donald Ross-designed track. And so I caught this article earlier in the week, The Golden Age of Golf Design Lives On, uh, and it was written by Tony Deere, who lives just up the road uh, in Washington. He's the editor for the uh, Cascade uh, Golf Newsletter that comes out. He's a contributor to golf publications all across the country and so uh, reached out to our good buddy Dick Stevens put me in touch and Tony kind enough to join us here this morning and uh, first of all thank you so much uh, for joining us and uh, glad you're residing now in the Pacific Northwest uh, having grown up uh, on the other side of the pond as they say Uh, but Tell everybody a little bit about, uh, maybe before we get into the article, just how the golf bug started with you. Uh, you've been a, a first tee coach, a high school golf coach, a, an apprentice. Uh, just how much does the golf bug reside in, in your in your life? Uh, it's I wouldn't say it's everything, Jason, because I have a family. Um, but it's, it's not far after then. Um, I started playing at early teens. Um, like most people, um, you know, my, my, my father played and he introduced me to the game. I was a uh, teaching pro within about, 
for four years, five years. I played on the University of Liverpool golf team at Hoylake, where the Open Championship will be played later this summer. Came to the States at age 30 in, when was it, 2000, 2001, 2002. And very fortunately, my wife's family came from the uh, Pacific Northwest. So I've been here for 20 years and loving it. Well, fantastic. Well, I was I was so taken by your article. Uh, I saw it in uh, First Call Golf. Uh, dot com and I'm, I'm not sure where else it appeared but uh there are devoted admirers uh of the works of these golf architects where their courses are now a uh, hundred 125 years old uh they're very familiar tracks maybe we're not familiar with the architects uh, but donald ross is obviously uh, at the height of it we see his courses now being uh renovated and restored but there are these little societies of true devotees uh, that have become instrumental now working with working with the courses uh, as they are going through renovations and reconstructions. Uh, how'd you come about this uh, particular uh, story topic and maybe a little bit about how these societies have initially come about? Great question, Jason. Um, I, I think I identified that there's about a dozen of them um, and they range in everything from sort of small scale amusing little fan groups to um to really significant players in the industry uh, with thousands of members when i talk about the golden age of architecture in golf that's kind of the, the first couple of decades of the 20th century when art golf course architecture just took a very good turn and uh a lot of the courses that, that host major championships and which we revere today, you know, are held on golden age courses because they're they're so beautiful, they're so natural, they're so they're full of options, they're, they're full of interest in golf. It's a shame that the both the USGA and the PGA of America tend to um, uh, overwhelm these these great courses with with knee high rough and you know very thick rough and very hard surfaces, which which kind of um, detracts a little bit from the from the architecture that that they were built with but they're still great causes i mean they're still absolutely wonderful to play and these societies that they really i, I believe the first, yeah the first one was the donald ross society donald ross designed close to not not quite but close to 400 courses in the states he was a native of dornock in scotland and he came to america in his early 20s i believe and he was um he started out at a course in Massachusetts um but was quickly moved to um Pinehurst in North Carolina because the the owner of the uh what was you know then a very small summer retreat um wanted to to build a lot of golf and to cut a long story short he he came he he became familiar with Donald Ross and Donald Ross basically spent the rest of his life there there's soon going to be 10 courses at Pinehurst and he built uh, one, four, five of them, I think, I believe, four of them. Um, and Pinehurst number two is the most famous of them. And and he tinkered on that with that course until his dying days, really, you know, for for 40, 50 years, he, he just kept tinkering with that course. And he, he really endeared himself to the American golfing public and his um his courses are so so great and there are so many of them that um it was the society that honors him was the first to, to come about in in the late 80s and i'm not saying that because of the donald ross society others follow but but it did kind of light, light a fire 
although there was a there was a bit of a gap after the Donald Ross Society, I think the Alice McKenzie Society, which which had been operating on a very small scale at the same time, you know, officially incorporated um, about five or six years later. And I mean, the 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 societies are joined to the to the really big famous architects like Donald Ross and Alice McKenzie and Robert Trent Jones. Um, you know, they, they they do play a very significant role in in the restoration of those architects' courses. Um, the Donald Ross Society has you know has a has a foundation and it has financed you know some very important rebuilds, revivals, remodels of courses that were you know that that were probably going to die, and it's brought them back to life. In that respect, the Donald Ross Society you know is playing a huge role in keeping Donald Ross alive. If you know what I mean. Absolutely, Tony Deer is our guest here, talking about his recent piece, "The Golden Age of Golf Design Lives On," uh, with these architecture societies. You mentioned Robert Trent Jones; uh, those courses down south, very familiar. Uh, with a lot of golfers. Now, some of these architects did more country clubs, uh, private clubs that maybe those of us here on the West Coast aren't as familiar with. But what the societies that are most active, like the Donald Ross, just what sort of services and influence are they providing now uh, for courses that maybe are seeking restoration or wanting to know uh, as they go into, you know, whether it's the Greens committees or how they go about their regular maintenance of the courses, uh, wanting to keep them as true as possible to the original design? Very interesting question, Jason. If, if, if you take a course like, like Oak Hill, which is hosting the PGA Championship this week, it wasn't actually, I discovered this yesterday, this was a very interesting snippet of uh, information that I learned yesterday. It wasn't actually used as a, as a Donald Ross design in a, in a major championship, this might be you know the the, the first time that it, that it's done so because the first time it hosted a major championship, it, it had already been remodeled or you know re, not redesigned but but changed significantly by another architect. And so the design that that it presented to players and the US Open fifty six, I believe, wasn't technically a Donald Ross design. So I mean, obviously Donald Ross is no longer with us, but uh, Andrew Green who um, has redesigned the course um, for, for this particular championship. Uh, yeah, sorry, I've, you, you've got to be very careful with the terminology these days. <laughs> he hasn't redesigned the course. He's restored the course to, um, to what Ross built. Um, and that's not to say it's exactly the same as what Ross built, obviously, because it's, it's an awful lot longer now, and it's, it's hosting a, a major championship. And equipment these days, is golf equipment these days, is very different to what it was 100 years ago. So if if it was exactly the same course that Donald Ross designed 100 years ago, it, that these players would be finishing at 50 under par because they just drive <laughs> drive uh, every single par four green. So the, the, these these designers, these contemporary designers like like Andrew Green, they very brilliant, brilliantly restore the course as you know to what Donald Ross or whoever the architect was would have designed. You know, had he if he had the equipment that there is around today so it, it tests the best players in the world but at the same time it's very close to it honors donald ross's design very accurately so they're brilliant how the how these guys do it and the donald ross society you know plays a part in uh in in helping these courses it, it does it with so many courses these days um it, it plays a very significant role in helping these courses that want to revive their ross 
architecture, but in the modern day, you know, with modern day agronomy, modern day equipment. Chatting here with Tony Deere. Uh, what are what traits are there that are most unique to a Donald Ross course? We see, uh, aside from the length, but we're seeing a lot of slope in these greens, uh, a lot of uh, triangular greens uh, that we see. Uh, with his courses, but what are some of his significant? We saw Pinehurst number two go through renovation. I think it was fifteen or twenty years ago before they started hosting U.S. Opens and PGAs. Um, what are some of his most signature sorts of features in a golf course? That is the impossible question to answer because this is a question that has been asked for 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 decades, really. Um, you know what 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 um, sets a Donald Ross course course apart, and what are the features that are that are familiar and which he used everywhere. Of all the great architects from the golden golden age, I would say his are the least familiar or or the least recognisable. It gets to a point almost where, say, you see an aerial of the course, you can immediately tell that it's that it's very good. That is very well designed. It's it's a brilliant design. But that, that, then you look at it a little bit bit more closely, and you cross off all the all the architects that it couldn't be because their bunker shapes are different, or their their ferry widths are different, or the or the or the green orientations are different. Uh, and you're kind of left with Donald Ross, which which is <laughs> that's a very bad way of describing a Donald Ross course because because that kind of says oh well if it's not any of their, the other greats then it must be him. I mean of course there are there are individuals in the country um, the head of the um, Donald Ross Society Brad Brecken who, who who's just authored an amazing book on Ross. I'm you know obviously he someone like him could identify a Ross course immediately, but for for most people even you know even people who are fairly familiar with golf course architecture, a Ross course wouldn't necessarily be immediately uh, recognizable uh, like a Charles Blair McDonald and Seth Rayner course would be or an Alison McCourse, uh, sorry, Alison McKenzie course might be. That said, you know, that there are a couple of things that, 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 that might spark people off. You know, he, he, liked, he, he enjoyed diagonal hazards. It certainly wasn't the time of, um, you know, big water hazards and the sort of things that have that appear on the front covers of uh, golf magazines for you know these days, or and have been for thirty or forty years, they they weren't into that that sort of thing. You know, water water wasn't used a great deal, or you know, if it was, it was it was a creek or a ditch or you know something running across the hole that was used very cleverly. It wasn't for because obviously photographs weren't weren't a big deal in those days. You know, golf courses were far more subtle and they were you know far more interesting than, than rather just sort of in your face water hazards which are great which are, you know it's, it's beautiful but um but the thing is with the, with a diagonal ditch say if you watch the PGA championship this week the sixth hole you know there's a creek running across the fairway but i think a lot of modern day designers would have put it straight in front of the green and and you know try to make as as photogenic a feature out of it as possible but ross in those days you know where, where magazine photographs you know obviously weren't as as significant as they are now placed it or placed a hole or used it in such a way to make it so much more interesting and such a subtle challenge um you know something that kind of changes your thinking towards it changes every day so so no two rounds are the same and, and it's just subtle chatting here with tony deer uh his article the golden age of golf design lives on curious if there is an architect uh golf course designer uh that you would like to see a society either become more prevalent with or start up uh, or one you think in the coming years will start to have more relevance 
uh, and, and become as influential as the Donald Ross Society has become? I don't think there'll be one that will ever become as influential as the Donald Ross Society. Um, that said, in the future, who knows? I mean, you know, there, there are a handful of architects today, Tom Doak, certainly uh, Bill Korn, Ben Crenshaw, another company that uh, I, I've no doubt there will be a, um, a Korn Crenshaw Society in time. Who knows? You know, and, you know, the Donald Ross Society didn't appear until, you know, 50 years after Ross had gone. So who knows when a Korn Crenshaw Society could could appear? It might not be until 60, 70 years. True. But I'm quite sure there will be one because in 60, 70 years time, people will look back on their causes and, and they'll think this period is sometimes referred to as, a, as the second golden age that we're currently enjoying. Architects like Bill Korn, Ben Crenshaw, Tom Doak, Gil Hans. David McClay Kidd, obviously, who who you know, whose work at Bandon, at Gamble Sands, Huntsman Springs, you know, up here in the Northwest is is so is so fantastic. You know, these architects they will be revered every bit as much as we revere Mackenzie Ross McDonald Wayne now. No question. And uh, yes, those names, the more recent names, more familiar, I think, to a lot of golfers out here uh, on the West Coast as well. Uh, Tony Dare, we could uh, I could do this uh, for an entire hour. Unfortunately, I am out of time. Uh, The article is the golden age of golf design lives on. Uh, firstcallgolf.com is where I saw it. You can uh, just look up Tony Deere, his work, his most recent book, The Story of Golf in 50 Holes, also available. Thank you so much for taking some time. This was a fascinating discussion, and uh, I can't wait to uh, have you back down the road in the future as uh, seeing what your next, uh, next piece of work brings out. Anytime, Jason. Thank you very much indeed for having me. Thank you, Tony. Uh, Tony Deere, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Tony J. Deere as well. Let's come back. We'll wrap things up with a quick peek at the PGA Championship. Leaders going to tee off starting in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, the rain coming and going, but it is a struggle out there on the Donald Ross designed Oak Hill Country Club East course. Uh, we'll update that as we wrap things up here on Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. This is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 852 wrapping things up here on this PGA Championship weekend. It is going to rain all day today in Rochester, New York. There's only two players under par on the rounds so far. That is Thomas Peters, who's three under through eight. He is plus two overall. Colin Morikawa, or uh, Hideki Matsuyama, pardon me, uh, had a birdie early. Uh, but it looks like he has bogeyed his second hole, so he's back to even par. Nobody else is under par that is on the course uh, yet this morning. The leader's going to tee off starting in the 11 o'clock hour, and uh, our boy Keith Mitchell goes off. He's with Sepp Straka. They both start the day even par, uh, as does club pro Michael Block. He'll go at 11-10 with Justin Rose. Uh, the fun group to watch will be Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, uh, the two livers who have uh, quite a history. Uh, 11.30, Brooks starts the day at two under par, but he had a great finish. He birdied three of his last four holes 
uh, in his second round. Bryson DeChambeau was your first round leader at four under, one over in his second round. He's at three under. And then the final group will be Scotty Scheffler and Corey Connors. They are five under par at 11.50. Justin Suh, Victor Hovland at 11.40. And this is going to be a day of attrition. Uh, as more rain comes down, the rough already thick. Driving accuracy will be of uber importance. Uh, and Victor Hovland, I think, is the guy to watch. Right now, if you look at uh, strokes gained, he's number one off the tee through the first two rounds. Proximity to the hole, he is number one. Uh, Greens in regulation tied for fourth through the first two rounds. So his ability to give himself opportunities to score, and it'll be mostly pars. Making pars today will be critical not sure what they're going to be. There's very, very few holes where it's a true birdie opportunity. The drivable par four on the back nine uh, being one of them. A lot of guys going to lay up today uh, versus going for it. We'll see if the teaser moved up. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of guys, Justin Thomas, John Rom, Jordan Spieth, Phil Mickelson, all uh, just barely making the cut. Uh, they are having all sorts of problems here. One, keeping their hands dry. Two, John Rom now trying to find his ball. If he hit it over the fence there, uh, out of bounds, not sure what's going to happen. So nobody going really low here this morning. And we'll see. It's more about not backing up too far. Uh, from a betting standpoint, looking at uh, DraftKings here, uh, the leader, Scotty Scheffler, an overwhelming favorite right now on the tournament lines. He is minus 140 to win. Victor Hovland at plus 360. Corey Connors trying to become the second Canadian to win a major, plus 600. But there is Brooks Kepka, plus 1,000, 10 to 1 odds. Uh, he has finished more rounds of any active player in the top 10 at majors, 47 of them in his career than anybody else, and it is not close. Being consistent, uh, nobody gears up for the challenge of the majors, loves the competition, loves the challenge. If he can keep his driving in the fairways, he's going to give himself a great opportunity. He will be aggressive when others are being conservative, worried about the conditions. So it'll all be about driving accuracy for him, uh, making pars, giving himself an opportunity to make a couple of birdies. Anybody finishing one, two under par today is going to have a huge advantage uh, come Sunday. We're supposed to dry out. That'll do it for us. Thanks to Dominic Marconi for joining us, uh, the executive director of the Oregon chapter of the PGA. Huge thank you to Tony Deer. We sent out the link. Uh, at fan swag at 1080 the fan the link to the article uh, will will get the interviews up and available on the podcast format at 1080 the fan uh, a little bit later this morning uh it's a uh well it's a will and will effort. will squared will squared for center and saint we got baseball, Guardians, and Mets coming up at 12:30, and then Game Two of the Western Conference Finals, five o'clock, or Game Three uh, tonight. Can the Lakers uh, find a way to deal with the Joker and get a uh, victory in the Western Conference Finals, five o'clock, right here on the Fan? That'll do it for us. I'm Jason. Hit them straight. Oh my gosh! It came up, Peter Jacobson. I'm a super senior. Balls are careening into tough spots. Uh, make sure I left the ball below the hole.
<laughs> you know how easy I am. Yeah, I know. Peaches <laughs> in Europe. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.